0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Industry Matters, powered by the VGM Group. We've got a really exciting episode today. We sit down with the 2018 VGM HME Woman of the Year, Georgie Blackburn, uh, and talk about advocacy and her career within the HME community as a leading woman in the industry. And We also sit down with Jim Doty of Phillips Respironics to start talking about 2019 and what he sees and what Phillips sees uh coming in the near future. Our first interview is with the 2018 VGM HME Woman of the Year. of The women nominated and the finalists, and ultimately, the winner are all women within the HMU community who are dedicated advocates and leaders within the industry and focused on improving the lives of patients that the HMU community serves. Uh, the 2018 finalists included Colleen Hunter, CEO and President of Browning's Pharmacy in Melbourne, Florida, uh, Deanne Sandevold, the Vice President and Owner of Easy Access, Karen Atkins, President and CEO of Mobility First in Kansas City, Missouri. And finally, we welcome the 2018 VGM HME Woman of the Year, Georgie Blackburn, Vice President of Government Relations and Legislative Affairs at Blackburn's Pharmacy, who provides HME rehab and pharmacy solutions to locations throughout Pennsylvania and New York. So, uh, Georgie, welcome to Industry Matters.
1: Thank you, Colin. It's my pleasure.
0: You bet. I, I mean, from your bio, uh, you're obviously a very passionate advocate. Uh, from a healthcare policy perspective, but you also have a unique background in just how long you've been in the industry and the different roles that you've played. Would you kind of give some our listeners some insight into what your, your background and career has been within the HME industry?
1: Well, certainly. Uh, when I joined Blackburns in 78, it was to be for a very short stint to help them out while a person was recovering from surgery. And I was planning to go back to school for nursing. My children were then in uh, elementary school, a little bit further on in elementary school. What I found was with the business background I had and with having been raised within the insurance agency and working in my father's uh, offices throughout school, that uh, I brought a unique skill set to Blackburns, who had only seven employees at that time. And um, I was able to help them set their systems up differently and uh, get on with some contracts within a short period of time. And they found that they were being paid more directly and pay- being paid more money. It was just very interesting to see the transition. And then coupled with that, the individual who was ill had a one-year recovery period instead of you know two or three weeks. So I, they asked me to stay on and I decided to stay on because I loved the work. I uh, felt that I... I could add to what they already were building, and um, I, one could say I have grown with Blackburns as they have grown, um, spreading our initial DME business, which I think the day I joined, they had 50 rentals, into building a rehab division, which I managed for, for many years, and uh, going on to write the corporate compliance plan, the HIPAA plan, and overseeing that for nearly eight years before moving into advocacy, which was nearly about 10 years ago. Uh, so one job built on the other, and by the time I reached my present position in government relations and legislative affairs, I knew what was wrong within healthcare policy. We had argued our points along the way, and uh, it gave me a unique advantage, uh, coupled with the people that were my mentors within the industry from the different companies and certainly our trade associations, to um, present a good picture to Congress.
0: That's excellent. Yeah, you've you've definitely got a a well-rounded background. And that kind of leads into my first question. You know, we've seen a lot of change over the past few years. What are some of the most positive changes within the HME industry that you've seen during your time in it?
1: Well, the the first thing I would, would say from the time that Competitive bidding was announced as a project going forward. And I believe that was in 2003, where we we knew that what was going to be coming to the point where we started to actively fight it in 2007. I have seen the industry coalesce. And um, from an AA Home Care point of view, I was on the board of AA Home Care as of 2007. Um, I could see that those providers that were in round one certainly were on top of this project, but other providers that weren't hit initially didn't really realize the impact of it. So there was more of a fragmented feeling going forward about how can we offset this, how can we fight it, where's the data gonna come from, et cetera. As time went on and the program kicked in and more providers were involved and or being acquired or put out of business, Then I think everybody started to think with one mind and one voice, and that really helped us on Capitol Hill. And I think that has helped us as an industry. We have networked better. All the um, industry organizations have worked together. The clinical task forces from the different modalities have worked together, and um, our collective voice is starting to make a difference.
0: Yeah, it's it seems as if any any Capitol Hill meetings that I'm involved with that the reputation of the HME industry seemed and in, and it's almost like a past life now where it was riddled with fraud and abuse, now it's boiled down to what the real HME reputation is and that's just to take care of people within their homes and and make sure that they're leading healthy and better lives. And I feel like that's actually coming across now and, and policymakers and regulators are starting to realize just how valuable those services are.
1: You're exactly right. Our tagline for our company is helping people live life better. And we think of that with every phone call that we receive, with every bit of training that we give, that we promote the fact that you just don't say, oh, no, I'm sorry, we can't provide that and hang up the phone. We think about what can we do what can we advise this patient to do if we're unable to do it? And we we have sent many people to their representatives. We've sent them to um, legal groups. Um, you know, we 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 are activists at heart here, and I think I think that makes a difference. People know we really care about what we're providing them. It's not just the bottom line and answering a doctor's order. It's helping them to stay vital and healthy in their home.
0: That really leads in well to my next question, which is one of the common concerns that we hear every day is that suppliers may not think that their voice carries as much weight as it probably does. So what would you say to those suppliers who may not really feel that they can make an impact when it comes to advocating for changes within the industry when they truly can? Oh, I, would,
1: I, I agree with you that they're incorrect if they feel that way. And that probably was a mindset that I had 25 years ago, too. I was just doing my job the best I could here for Blackburns. But as you do your job and you find out the innate problems that people have and what the policies prohibit them from receiving, then you start to build um, a background of how Something might help that patient to stay out of the hospital or out of still care, skilled care, excuse me, better. And you start to uh, put together a syllabus of what a better policy might look like. And I think finding your voice is critical. Uh, If you're in business, it doesn't matter what business, you have to talk about the tax laws. You have to talk about the policies that guide you. And certainly in our industry, we have a lot to say. And we even have subscribed to our patients joining uh, site visits. I've had people here during site visits that they don't need me to talk for them. They, they come in in their wheelchairs and they can speak volumes. So utilize the stories you have in the instances where you were disappointed in what you couldn't do and talk about the whys because policy can be changed. And that is the issue.
0: That's one of my favorite things to do, and, and obviously in the government role as well. But being at a meeting with a supplier and a member of Congress or even a staff member, and afterwards, or seeing that moment when it clicks for them. When you know, this may be an industry, it's a small industry that they might be aware of from 10,000 feet away, but. When they actually see the equipment, they see patients and how it impacts them and improves their lives. It's such a satisfying and uh, it's such a satisfying moment when you just see it click for them and they they get it and and from there you've likely g- gained a strong advocate on Capitol Hill.
1: You are exactly right, Colin. We we have had until Pennsylvania has re- redistricted as of this November sixth election. However, the gentleman that I've had as my corporate location representative has been in office for six terms. He's secure in Pittsburgh. He sits on Energy and Commerce, and I like him. However, I've not been able to get directly to him. I always talk to uh, a a legislative aide or someone under that person, and I always had the gut feeling that the real story wasn't getting to him. This past year, I was able to meet with him. And this past summer, he actually made a site visit. It has taken me eight years to get him here. But um, he calls me relentless, and I told him thank you. (laughs) That was a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) But the bottom line was, as I took him through our warehouse, after we had our meeting and other other things went on, we went over to the warehouse. I told him I'd like him to see what I call the rehab floor, where we put the high-end equipment together together. And I took him up to the third floor of the warehouse, and as we got off the elevator, there were 300 chairs there, all with names on them, adults and pediatric. And it was overwhelming for him. He said, I had no idea how many patients you are serving. Now, bear in mind, i have been talking about it for eight years. How I, he said, I had no idea. And I said, yes, let me show you some of this equipment. And I took him back to meet our rehab technicians and and take a look at an eye-level chair and explain the importance of that. Came back to the conference room. We finished up our meeting. And as I walked him out the front door, he elaborated on He said, I had no idea how much help you are giving to my constituents. Uh, this certainly was an eye-opener. And he was very uh, complimentary to our business. And he said, you know, I'm losing you as a constituent in the new election. I said, yes, I know, but I'll still be there to, to see you. <laughs> we are dealing with your constituents. He says, I certainly hope you will. And uh, I can't tell you, Colin, that was the best feeling because that it had come full circle. And, and he has signed on to my letters and the bills. So uh, it has taken a long time, but, y- you know, and that's probably the other recommendation I would say, never give up. Don't accept no for an answer. It's just you have to do more educating
0: that's fantastic I love that moment that clicks uh, you know there's so many wonderful women in the HME industry and and you're certainly one of them there I know that there are several nominees that are very well deserving of this award but uh, we're so glad that you were able to join us on industry matters and and again congratulations on being 2018 uh, VGM HME winner of the uh, of the year and thank you so much for joining us Georgie well
1: thank you Colin. it's my honor bye-bye Nelson
0: Our next interview today on Industry Matters is Jim Doty. He is the Senior Director of Field Marketing for Philips Respironics. Jim leads a team of field marketing managers who target opportunities for sleep and respiratory products and solutions. Jim focuses on understanding and anticipating customers' needs and strategies for long-term success. Jim, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Colin. My pleasure.
0: I want to start talking a little bit about 2019 and So as the year is beginning to wind down, and, and Christmas will really be here before we know it, uh, what are the trends that you are anticipating in 2019 when it comes to the HME markets?
2: You know, I think that you kicked that off well in the sense that um, Christmas is probably a really pivotal time for us and, and the DME industry. I think that um, what we see and we we certainly support is uh, people realizing the opportunity, the cash opportunities that they have in their installed base patients. And what we see is we see continued activity online, and on Amazon, on search engines, on uh, informational websites, people trying to gather information. And that's really speaking to a need that people who are being served by DMEs today may not be getting everything they need or all their questions answered by their current DME provider. And I think that what that really is is an opportunity for DME providers to begin to fill that gap and, and provide information and, frankly, the products that, that may meet those people's needs. I do believe that with the holiday season approaching, it's a good time to refocus business uh, or at least focus business on those needs that your customers that you're serving today may have that you're not meeting. So that's, that's what I see happening. And I, I see more and more DMEs starting to recognize the power of their existing relationships and how to, how to use those relationships to make sure that the patients they're serving are educated, have all the products they need to meet their needs, and um, are essentially comfortable in their homes.
0: You know, that's a really good segue right into my next question. And you actually started to answer it a bit, I think. But as you're interacting with countless suppliers on a regular but on a regular basis, as the HME market gets more and more challenging and, and competitive, is there any advice that you would offer to suppliers out there to help stay competitive?
2: You know, I, I would be the last person to offer advice, frankly, but what I would tell you is is we are seeing people be successful, recognizing again that um, they're serving patients today, and while their focus has historically been reimbursed business, there are a number of opportunities related to cash. And again, when they start interacting with their their existing patients today, through that lens, we see people being successful. And so, while it's it's certainly not a any advice, I would say that you know talk to your peers, find out what they're doing. But what we're starting to see is is people really understanding. How to interact with their existing patients in ways that uncover these needs, and then bringing in the products to fulfill the
0: needs. That's great. The, and the last question that I have for you, Jim, is what would you say that Philips Respironics does to stand out when it comes to the respiratory and sleep markets?
2: You know, we try to stand out with in a couple on a couple of fronts. The first being quality products that when you provide our products you can trust in them and you know that they're going to function and perform as you need them to and and that's first and foremost you know we have a, a product has history and background and and that's where we um have grown up in the marketplace and and uh, we will continue to focus there on the other hand we also believe that we're partners in business and so you know as this or as the industry is transformed we too have transformed and so we have uh, programs and, and uh, services now that serve the, the uh, d and market in ways that 10 years ago didn't exist, and specifically our service elements that allow people to outsource some aspects of, of uh, patient service that, um, you know, um, we as a, as a manufacturer can scale, and it allows the DME to maintain all the relationships with their referral sources, as well as as uh, the payers. Um, and it lets us just fill a need that they may have. And again, a few years ago, that wouldn't have existed. The, the other area I see is is uh, really um, the the marketing support. Again, we've added a number of resources to try to help people understand how to speak with consumers. or or changing that, you know, as we pivot and we start to think about our existing patients as consumers, how do we engage them in ways that are meaningful? And how can Philips help um, our partners do that?
0: Well, Jim, I wish we had some more time, but thank you so much for joining us today on Industry Matters. And thanks to all that Philips does to partner with VGM as we work to better the HME community together. Thanks, Colin. And that will wrap up this week's episode of Thank You to Jim and Georgie for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you right back here next week for another episode of Industry Matters.